The following transmission contains unencrypted instances of explicit language. Mature audiences are cleared to proceed. Todd! Todd! You can take back control of the situation if you force the audience's hand. You can still negotiate. No negotiation, Dave. You can still take control of this and stop these stupid comedic bits. You think you can have half a podcast, David? A podcast without dumbass comedy bits? I couldn't stop this podcast even if I wanted to. Shall we begin? Let's begin. Episode 2 of television miniseries The Company visits two specific events from the height of the Cold War. We're given both the micro and macro view of the Yugoslavian revolt of 1956, as well as the invasion of Cuba in 1961, both of which can be regarded as failures of democracy against the Soviet threat. I'm Todd. And I'm Dave, and we like to talk about spy movies. How much was the CIA actually involved in these events? How much should the CIA have been involved? We're going to ask ourselves these questions and more in this episode of Spies Like Us. So we're back on the company. Uh, we came back here uh, with uh, part two. We always kind of plan to do like all three episodes of the company. Um, but uh, we came back to this one specifically because we just did the Good Shepherd, which had a lot of uh, Bay of Pigs kind of kind of stuff. There's a lot of stuff centered around 1961. Yeah. The Good Shepherd didn't really uh, do much with the Bay of Pigs. It was just kind of uh uh brought up and like we saw a little bit of the background but the main story was uh surrounding you know the the moles uh and um the underlying story with you know edward and his son and just the life of espionage i mean but the core enveloping story was about how his son uh, oh had leaked information about bay of pigs yes right Yeah. yeah so it was core to the story and and we'd spent you know enough time there that I felt like uh, you know it made sense to like go ahead and flesh that out some more before we move on to some other spy movies. We have our main character Chris O'Donnell. Jack is kind of involved in these huge uh, events in intelligence history and plays a very pivotal role. He's uh, a fictional. He's a fictional character that's surrounded by historical figures such as uh, James Jesus Angleton. Played by Michael Keaton, um, Taridi, which I don't think that was his real name, but that was played by Alfred Molina. Uh, Harvey Taridi is just a rename of William King Harvey, but other than that slight name change, like it, it is the guy. He was right. he was famous. He was famously like the biggest drinker. Like in the <laughs> like, was his code like, name really sorcerer? Because that's like the coolest <laughs> code name ever. Ooh, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but I wish it was. Yeah. Who Who else do we have on stage we have, here? We have uh, Frank Wisner. Yes, real, um, real guy. Real guy, and then we have Alan Dulles, the infamous director of the CIA. Uh, played by a guy that looks amazingly exactly like Alan Dulles. <laughs> did, did, did you see that picture? Yeah. With with him and J, JFK. Yes. Yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was a fucking Photoshop job. 
<laughs> he looks just like him. But there wasn't a guy that like lived Jack's life. Um, he was mainly inserted into like, oh, in this historical event, let's like kind of play with uh, this person and we'll just make him Jack. And then they did that throughout the whole series. We have like basically two chapters. The first half has to do with the Hungarian Revolution in 1956. And the second half deals with the uh, Bay of Pigs invasion of 1961 with a few little sprinkles of uh, Operation Mongoose in there. Jack performed, uh, you know, our fictional Chris O'Donnell character, he performed some somewhat vital functions in the first episode. In this part of the company, he really is just there as a, I don't know, like, I mean, he's definitely our audience surrogate. He's kind of like the eyes and ears where the movie makers want to put a person into position that they can see the actual events on the ground as a context for us to uh, appreciate as the audience what the head honchos back in Washington are talking about. Right. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I think that's very fair. You know, we, we, we what I really liked about the company is we kind of see a lot of different perspectives and in intelligence. You know, we see the higher ups making decisions. We see on the ground foot soldier type of uh, decisions, um, and and we get to see the aftermath and the execution of all these plans. So I I, I really enjoyed watching you know the miniseries. I think it's I think. This episode in particular is just a kind of a broad view of the Cold War told in two chapters. Even though there's many other stories that could be told about the Cold War, I think if you if you understand these two events, one happening in Europe, one happening in um, Central South America, America. Yeah, Central America, well, Central, Central America. right? Yeah, because uh, I don't. I actually my geography is pretty shitty. <laughs> I'm not, a, I'm not a, even actually uh, sure I could find Cuba on a map, but uh, apparently it's pretty fucking close to Florida, right? Yeah, there was always statements of you know in our backyard type of thing. I don't know. I would call that the table set. We'll start with Hungary and uh, tear it apart in the briefing room. You ready? Yep. Voice pattern recognized. Retinal scan complete. Validating security clearance. Clearance granted. You may now enter the briefing room. Let's go to the history lesson on here. Um, October 23rd in 1956 is when the first major post-World War II resistance against the, the Soviet... Uh, attempt to control all of Eastern Europe. The Hungarian people, they were getting tread upon by uh, an agency called the AVH uh, in this movie. It translates differently into Hungarian, but they're basically a, a, a secret police uh, arm of the KGB in Hungary. And they've been uh, just crushing all dissent and doing all the like stupid evil shit that we're always like 
mad about the Soviets for doing in the Cold War. You know, grabbing people up, uh, you know, from their homes, sending them to concentration camps and, and just jackbooting their way all over the country. What happened in October is uh, the people had had enough. They rose up. They reinstalled uh, a, a popular, democratically-minded uh, politician who had just been, like, kicked out of office, like, a year previous. They put him back in charge, and within a week, uh, he had disbanded the AVH. He had announced uh, withdrawal from the Warsaw Pact, which was the, uh, you know, that's like the Warsaw Pact is kind of like the opposite of NATO, right? Yeah. And had announced free elections. And five days later, the Soviets said, nah, brah, uh, and sent in a bunch of tanks. That is what happened in history. In the the movie, you know, we get to see a scene where uh, Frank Wisner is like, like, purporting that we should back up the rebellion. They're winning, you know. And this was a big point that I think you wanted to get to. And Dulles doesn't want to get involved because we're not supposed to get involved and there's no there's no policy for getting involved. Um, but the leader of the... So the revolutionary group is mostly college students and it's led by, I, I believe, a professor. And Jack's uh, mission is to tell the leader... Uh, to postpone this rebellion and the leader says well what, what have you guys been telling us in radio free europe for all this time you've been telling us to to revolt to revolt to revolt and you know here we are and jack says we weren't involved we, we, we weren't involved in that there's actually a dispute of whether or not cia was involved in some of the broadcasts in radio free europe uh tim weisner wrote a book called uh legacy of ashes uh where he makes these like claims about the cia uh, uh being a failure intelligence agency based on weiner's book uh the cia had massive increased cia controlled radio free europe broadcasts directed towards hungary supporting the revolution um uh, among some other things the cia themselves dispute this review in the book and i actually went and read their review of the book uh and they're their claim is uh, Weiner's major source for the assertion of CIA's culpability uh, came from like a New York memo somewhere. Weiner claims Frank Wisner was ordering Radio Free Europe to incite violence against the communist regime. Uh, according to the CIA review of the book, uh, Weiner's major source was from uh, a New York memo. Um, but uh, the, like it, it was that's that was his only basis for that statement. Um, he also, uh, Tim Weiner, the author of the book, also claimed that the the Radio Free Europe was claiming the United States would back the revolution, but th those statements didn't come out till after it was successful. We don't actually know that uh, there was ever any full throated support for revolution via Radio Free Europe. Right. And so, you know, I can't tell where the movie gets this, uh, you know, because Wisner is passionate in his uh, appeal to intervene. 
in this movie. I don't know where they get that from. It's certainly detailed in, like you said, like, uh, you know, Tim Wiener's uh, Weiner, Wiener, Weiner. <laughs> I, I see, I see, I see Wiener. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, that book comes out in uh, 2006, January of 2006. And that's why I wanted to mention uh, and put a pin in the timeline of where uh, the miniseries comes out. It comes out in like uh, basically a year and a half later. And I'm not sure exactly what the production schedule is, you know, but uh, I, I, I'm not sure that they could fit that story, even if they, you know, if the makers of this miniseries bought Wiener's, Weiner's Legacy of Ashes right. hook, hook, line, and sinker, if that's enough time for them to have folded that into the story. And let's also point out that the book, uh, the book that it was based on, came out in two thousand two, right? Which is way before that. And I didn't read the book. I don't have a copy of the book, so I don't know if the original book had this same take on it. I, I feel like it was fed in. My gut says that it's not just Legacy of Ashes that is the sole source for the notion that someone in the CIA, possibly Frank Wisner, was uh, vocally advocating for revolution in Eastern Europe. That's just my take. Uh, I mean, I'm just going based off of the wiki sources at this point for that. Uh, the, 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 the two uh, contra the, the, I guess two conflicting sides comes from Weiner's book and then the CIA's review of that book. Um, and they're claiming Wisner had no direct involvement with the Radio Free Europe. What, what is historical is, though, uh, you know, there, there actually was one CIA officer in Hungary, uh, which I think is who Jack is uh, loosely inserted into. Uh, there really was just one guy there. Yeah, but he wasn't inserted in like you know a month before the uprising. Right. You see in the movie, right. he'd been sta- he'd been stationed there for like you know five years. Yeah, and then when like stuff went down, he was like reporting back like, "So what should I do?" And they were like, "Well, I guess keep your head down." And uh, right. A, a, yeah, and a, apparently that agent uh, spent most of his time keeping his cover. So he would just go to like stores and buy stamps and envelopes or something, which, which I kind of like. Uh, but um, the, the, point that, I wanted, that... the point I wanted to make, though, is that uh, the Radio Free Europe, you know, Jack, uh, you know, like uh, our, our, our Hungarian freedom fighter says to him, like, hey, this is what we've been hearing from Radio Free Europe. And Jack says, like, hey, that's not us, uh, right. which... But that's, I mean, whether or not the CIA was involved, it's definitely true. The CIA at that point would have denied any involvement right. in, in Radio Free Europe. Right. So, you know, I, I think it's still like a little bit open for like how much of it was propaganda and how much of it was 
you know, and also like you know, well, Radio Free Europe was definitely propaganda, right? Uh, but what's the was, point? Uh, of, sure, but that's the argument I feel like we keep having about this. Is like, what is the point of propaganda if there's not a goal? Uh, you know, an end goal. You don't just you don't just throw it out there to to throw it out there. You should have um, you know a, a response that you're trying to incite from the listening audience that you're broadcasting to. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I'm, I don't think it's in dispute that Radio Free Europe was used for propaganda. I'm, I I think they're saying just their use in Hungary. How. Uh, serious were anyone in the CIA on following up on any of the knockdown effects or or fallout effects of Radio Free Europe. In this movie, it's made clear that Frank Wisner is passionate about that project. Oh, yeah. He builds his passion through several meetings at first he's just like kind of like hey we should look into this and then later he's like guys we really got to do something about and by the end of this segment like he's just like losing his fucking goddamn mind over the fact that uh they're not willing to uh you know push in and support what at the moment looks like it could be a very successful revolt against Soviet power in the Eastern Bloc. So what he does in the movie, so, you know, we can't, we can't just stick to history. At some point, we got to talk about, like, what actually happens in the movie and take it, you know, at, at its face value. He, he says, like, you know, in one of the meetings, like, we've spent five years trying to incite these people into just this kind of situation. And apparently he's the guy that is the one that sent Jack in there. Right. By himself. Right. Without, yeah. a, without a team, which I always know is always going to get uh, minus five points from you. Yeah. And this is actually uh, my number three worst was sending Jack in alone. You always need a team. You know, it's it's it, it, like and, and the fact that we actually had one guy in there kind of makes me concerned. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's it's just a bad idea to have someone out there by themselves. Uh, um, I guess presumably, you know, he was just there to kind of get information and then falls into the revolution. I, I, I'm not sure. Right. Well, I you know, I, I questioned it for a bit. I, I questioned it for a long time, and I finally came around to the idea that, you know, if I buy into the idea that Wisner, um, okay, because Jack tells two stories in Hungary. To the revolutionaries, he says, you guys got to back off and wait, right? Right. When he gets captured, which we're going to talk about in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> He tells the Russians, oh, the Americans are totally going to come in right fucking now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys should run scared. This actually, like, it actually kind of does make sense uh, in, in a couple ways. Like, number one, B, 
because we see back in Washington that Frank Wisner is like pushing a boulder up the hill on trying to convince everyone that um, the Americans should become involved. Right. It makes sense that he sends Jack in to tell the Hungarians, you guys need to wait. What, what I'm uh, inferring from this is like Wisner is still like, I need time. I need time to convince everyone else in Washington that this will be a good idea. And that's the reason I sent Jack in to tell them they need to wait so that I can, you know, talk everyone else into it in Washington. But it also makes sense. And, and I didn't, I, I had a huge question mark on it myself. You know, when Jack immediately says, you know, after he gets captured, like, oh, the Americans are coming right in. Um, but that also makes sense, right? That, that, that would be the right play uh, for him, like, to have been prepped to, uh, like, tell the Hungarians that we're not coming in necessarily. But if you get captured... Or if you have any opportunity to sow disinformation to the Soviets, you should definitely tell them we're coming in right away. Right, and th this actually was my number three best was uh, you know Jack having a cover story in case you know he was ever revealed to be CIA. And so when he sees uh, I get, what was her name Elizabeth, uh, you know being interrogated, he's like, okay, okay, I'm CIA, and he lists his rank and blah blah blah, and they're like, well, why are you here? And he's like. I was here to tell them that the U.S. will come and back up your revolution full front force or whatever. And uh, I, th I, th I think it was a good play. The one thing that I think bothered the both of us, though, when he, when yeah. he first met Elizabeth, you know, he, she tells him flat out, by the way, the AVH are on to you. They know you're CIA. They're watching you. They've been following you. Just wanted to give you a heads up. And then how does he get caught? He's just standing brooding in the middle of a bridge somewhere out in the open by himself you know I, I, <laughs> uh, I, I, I think I think that was probably the worst thing for him to do uh, he should have just bunkered up in his hotel picked the right times and places to go from you know here to there talk to whoever and uh, that, that made my number two worst because he was told in exquisite detail by Elizabeth, like the first thing she says, like when he makes his contact with her, like plus by points to like a little bit of code phrase there, I think was going on in the museum. Right. You know, when, yeah. uh, you know, she's teaching, uh, she's, uh, you know, doing a guided tour and he asks a very specific question. Uh, you know, I think that was supposed to be their little like nod and a wink, like this is your contact. She explicitly like says like, you were followed, and we're going to get you out the back. And he's like, what's going to happen if they don't see us go up front? She says, they'll go back to the hotel. She says, I've seen it a million times before. She, like, basically, like, explains this whole fucking thing. Like, the AVH is on to you. And he's still, like, dude, the way he gets nabbed is just, it's disgustingly bad. It's, it's, it, it, it's really bad. He's 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 just standing over there, like you know, daydreaming, you know, just thinking. 
like you know those you know in movies where someone's just standing there thinking about things that are going on and by themselves you know that that look in 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 movies that's exactly what it is just by he's himself in, out in the in open full on hostile territory without a team right without and, a team <laughs> right and you know he's just he's walking across this huge bridge i don't know take a taxi Put on a fake mustache. Do something. Like, I know, right? <laughs> it was pretty bad. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be highly interested in hearing what your number one worst is if that wasn't it. Throughout the whole sequence, like, you know, of uh, the Hungarians, they begin their revolt, they're succeeding, and then Wisner like really wants someone to do something about it, and then they don't. And eventually, like, this uh, kind of sort of semi-ties into actual fact. Like, they, they at the end of the sequence, we're going to see Wisner uh, ha- suffering a mental breakdown and retiring from the CIA, which actually, just historical note, didn't happen until, like, seven years later. Right. But, uh, but I'm sure right. if you're writing this stuff for TV... You know, it's it it's it it's dramatic to put it in at this point. It really fit his character as he was gradually going up and adamantly trying to convince Washington to back Hungary, and then everything falls apart and people die, and then he just has a complete nervous breakdown. So it, it, it worked well for a story. And here is not only I think uh, my best tradecraft. My number one best tradecraft to this movie, it might be in the running for my number one best tradecraft of any scene in any movie that we have uh, done on this podcast so far. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Talking about the one with Kritsky, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, spoiler, sorry, Kritsky, <laughs> Kritsky is a mole. And Kritsky is Jack's friend they went to college together with. Right. He's a fictional character. His code name isn't, but just so for the audience, you guys know who Kritsky is. He's also, he's, uh, you know, Philby was, Philby was a bad situation because, you know, he was MI6 and was a good personal friend of James Angleton. And so was privy to, uh, you know, uh, deep intelligence on, on what was going on that he didn't need to hear. But Kritsky, who at this point in the film, by the way, like, you know, the audience has, you know, if you're just watching it straight through, you have no idea yet that he is the mole. But uh, here's his fucking genius play. The Hungarians are winning the revolt, and he's the one that puts the notion, floats it out in the air, that like, hey... Okay, I understand we're not going to send tanks in, but what if the Russians think that we're going to send tanks in? And he floats it out just a little subtly, but Alan Dulles immediately like smokes on his pipe and says, oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Angleton says, yeah, like, fuck yeah, like, you know, put that out on all the wires and make sure the Soviets are listening and, and you know, if you're paying attention, he he says, make sure the Soviets are listening and looks directly at Kritsky and, <laughs> and blows smoke out of his nose in in just a 
brilliant little little piece. But uh, yeah, it's absolutely number one because you are uh, you are feeding an idea to the enemy that is the idea that you will attempt to deceive my side, but we will not fall for the deception because I'm going to inform my side that it is in fact a deception and therefore it will not work. And that's also because, you know, maybe there still was a chance, even though it looked like Dulles was going to not, you know, going to no vote on getting involved. There still might have been a chance. Someone in the room maybe could have convinced him. This diffuses that. Right. A hundred percent diffuses that. And that's what, that's, you know, that's got to be like one million spy points. At least. Yeah, I know, right? That's a, that's a really clever card to play. Jack's abduction was no accident. They knew about him because they knew about him, and they knew about him because they have a mole. And, you know, it's, it's all of Angleton's suspicions that uh, are, are worked out through the thread of, of this episode are, are very much supported. You get even more, too, when, uh, of course, Kritzky is, like, his best friend, you know, hanging out. And, like, the whole time, Kritzky is, like, you know... I really think Eisenhower fucked up and he should have sent in troops, you know, like, and he's playing it like so perfectly, uh, you know, with, with the information that we, after finishing the series, know that Kritzky is a mole. Like he's, he's doing such a good job of playing Jack and that's, uh, some more spy points for him. Definitely. He, he definitely plays like a, a master mole, uh, Far, far more than, I guess, uh, uh, Philby would have done at the time. Even with James Angleton. Because after, after, you know, and this happened in real life, where when Kim Philby was ousted, and uh, it, it, like, shook the whole thing. And that put James Angleton, like, on this witch hunt for moles. And uh, he was highly criticized for it. And we actually got to see that in the, in well, actually all three movies, how highly criticized he was. But... Uh, James Angleton, the real one, did find other moles within the ranks, and in this movie, he ends up helping to find the 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 mole which we're chasing, which is Kritzky. Um, I had uh, just a couple of uh, well, I had a little bit of minus points, uh, spy points for. Uh, okay, so they okay, so Tariti's threat against the KGB works. And the AVH uh, pulls Jack out of the cell, and the guy tells him, "Hey, we get we know the truth. We know the Americans aren't coming. The English chick told us that." I just want to really quick just put some minus spy points on that because there's no profit in telling Jack that they know that he's lying. Right, and I don't know, and. You know, you could say, oh, this is just exposition for the movie, but I don't really think it fits any sort of purpose in the movie. There's plenty of other evidence of a mole, so they don't really need to tell him. Right. And they, they tell him they got it from the interrogation. So I, I, I think minus movie points and spy points. I'm not really sure what the point of that was. 
Well, like you said, you know, it's 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 good exposition, but uh, you know, I just wanted to put that pin in, like when you know that uh, your enemy is lying to you, you don't tell them that, right? Unless, <laughs> unless, right? In general, right? Bad right. trade craft. Right. Very bad. They should have done to him. You let them. Yeah. You let them think that you are still fooling them. Right. What they should have done is uh, done what Jack did and been like, hey, you know, we know that you guys are coming. So you go tell oh, your boys we're gonna back, back off. in America. We're going to back off. Yeah, we're going to yeah. back off. My, yeah. superior, my superiors have told me that since you have told me, which I know you're lying, right? but I'm not going to tell you that I know you're lying. You know, I'm going to pretend that I believe you. Right. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you that, like, yeah, you know what? So because of what you've told me, and I can tell you're an honorable man, and I'll look into your eyes soulfully, and I might even go for a kiss. <laughs> right. <laughs> but my superiors have said, yeah, yeah, we won't interfere with Hungary. You got nothing to worry about. Right. <laughs> Instead of saying, like, ah, ha, 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 we've caught you in deception. Like, just, there's no profit in it. Here's a worse one, though, uh, and and this this crept in after careful consideration. This did creep into uh, my worst tradecraft number three, and that's where, uh, you know, uh, again we we get this uh, successful Hungarian revolt. Uh, they've invaded and taken over like like all the ABH headquarters and stuff, and you've got this guy that's like. I have information. I can tell you there's a mole. I can tell you what's going on. And I totally understand in the scene. You know the guy I'm talking about, right? Yep. I know exactly which guy. The After the revolution had succeeded, I guess the head of the AVH was like begging for his life and, and was like, I know there's mole in CIA. I'll give you the guy's name. Right, right, yeah. right. And he's, you know, and, uh, you know, in uh, they, they, you know, they put a fat guy, you know, a fat guy in there that, you know, he's just supposed to look like this worm, you know, that, like, will do anything to fucking save his own skin. And that's great and everything. But, you know, I understand that in that scene, like, definitely tensions are high right? <laughs> and everybody <laughs> wants to shoot somebody but Jack fucks up here when I think you know he says like you know he hears that he turns to Hungarian revolutionary rebel leader who possibly could have a you know a, a way to I don't know calm people down and he's like you can't shoot this guy. He has information that would be valuable to the CIA. Not the right phrasing. Jack. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the CIA that abandoned our revolution? That just, yeah, that you're the guy that you showed up and told us, like, we're, uh, you know, told us to delay and then didn't show up with support. And now you're like, oh, I, you know, like, we need this 
little tidbit. No, it absolutely should have been phrased more as like, this guy has information that can profit your cause. We need to know what the Soviets know. We need to help you. And um, it it also like it it I mean it feels like a quibble a little bit, but it also like if you think it through, if they had got that guy and they had got his information, and you know that guy would have talked, right? Yeah, absolutely. Then a whole stack of dominoes would have fallen much more in democracy's favor. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the whole, whole, everything else. So, yeah, so so I squeaked it in as my worst uh, number three. I I think it was both on their parts. I think the leader should have figured it out himself. This guy's supposed to be an academic, and he's leading a successful revolution. He should have realized that... Well, and especially since Jack came there to tell him, by the way, you're surrounded by Soviet tanks that could be here in 11 hours. You know, you know, maybe you should keep this guy alive for information for your cause. The guy should have thought of that himself. So, right, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I put, a, uh, yeah, I put a, a little... But, you know, he's... I mean, he's hot-blooded at that yeah. point. Like, he's really got the fire in his veins, and he's surrounded by a whole bunch of people with rifles that are all, like, chanting his name and saying, hey, let's go. <laughs> kill the pigs, kill the pigs. Traitor, traitor, traitor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's hungry, right? Yeah. Unless you had anything else to say about it? Oh, yeah. By the way, I fucking loved the berets on the revolutionaries. I, I, it's it was it was perfect like here, here you know like it's very like viva la revolution like they all had the berets like all of them every single one of them had the beret on i, I don't know if that's a thing and where i'm did, just so where like did they ignorant get them? Or where did they get them like what is what is the what is the function of the beret as a symbol of uh, Le resistance. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it just it just seems to be everywhere. It's it's constant. I guess the very first thing, it, like my first step as like absolute dictator, is I would send my secret police in and like shut down all the beret manufacturers. Yeah, and all, and all the stores where you can buy berets. There you and, go. And, there and, you and, go. Yeah. How are you gonna have your revolution now? Huh? <laughs> huh? huh? <laughs> What are you gonna wear baseball caps? I don't think so. Yep. <laughs> and that concludes our tradecraft analysis of the Hungarian Revolution of 1956, as presented in the second episode of the Company television miniseries. Next week, we're gonna go to Central America and see how the series presents the Bay of Pigs fiasco in Cuba and the CIA involvement therein. As always, the best way to make sure you don't miss out on that is to hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Google, or your favorite podcast app. Also, you can find updates on our Facebook page or website, spieslikeus.net. And please, if you can help us out, give us some feedback by rating and leaving comments. We're always trying to improve the show, and your thoughts would be a big help.